In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. gentlemen welcome back to the true life podcast hope everybody's having a beautiful day i hope the sun is shining i hope that there's a little miracle that happened that you're not quite aware of but it's about to just dawn on you and the world is just about to wrap you in this warm embrace i have an incredible guest for you today jonas rosen psychedelic facilitator and integration coach at myco meditations he's a psychedelic professional licensed social worker specializing in psilocybin assisted theory he's the founder of his own company intervision which i think everybody should go and check out that'll be in the show notes down below he provides education and compassionate support around the psychedelic experience he's got his own youtube channel he does incredible interviews he does incredible videos and he has found a way to synthesize the the whole enchilada i've I really mean it when I say I thoroughly admire the way in which you can translate the vision that you have into reality. And when I watch some of your videos, I'm like, gosh, this guy is on it. I, I think it shows through. I think your passion comes through in that, Jonas. So thank you very much for being here today. How are you? Oh, man. I'm great now. <laughs> what an introduction. Yeah. Lo 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 love the energy. And um, yeah, just really, really appreciate that. Very kind and um, just warm warm introduction it's true pleasure to be here with you yeah well the feelings mutual i was for for those who may not know um maybe we can start off about an origin story i found that sometimes that's like a good place to begin and it helps to it kind of helps to show people little secrets or little hints that may reside in themselves about who they can be so i always like to just do a little investigation would you be so kind as maybe and you can go back as far as you want, as where you wherever you want to start at. But you are seem to be at the foreground of exploring some of these incredible mystical experiences. And I was wondering what brought you to begin investigating this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where to begin? Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. I can remember even from a very young age, always being fascinated by the mysteries. 
You know, like I always just had so many questions. I remember being like seven or eight years old in my elementary school library. And there was this book on UFOs. And I was like that, like, I want to read that one, you know? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. From a very young age, it's like UFOs, like the mysteries of the cosmos, you know, uh, telepathic abilities, extrasensory perception, like Loch Ness monster, ghosts, you know, the afterlife spirits. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a religious or spiritual family. Like I was just fascinated by the big questions, you know, and, um, fast forward a, a, a bunch of years, I was, um, well, really, really like an inflection point, a major kind of turning point in my life, uh, that brought me to where, where I am right now was my very first experience with, uh, psychedelics. I took psilocybin mushrooms, uh, when I was about 18 or 19 and I really didn't seek it out. You know, like I was, I was kind of, uh, raised to really fear all these different substances. I approached with like a great sense of trepidation and fear, but that curiosity killed the cat there. Uh, you know, like I, I just, uh, I was curious. I was, I was, I was, you know, yeah, the, the desire to explore was, was, was there. And, and that, um, overcame the sense of fear, you know? And so I went into that, that first psilocybin experience and, um, really just had such a profound experience on so many levels. I mean, I, I, I wasn't <laughs> in ways I never could have really anticipated in a very practical sense. It helped me to uh, really work through a lot of the anxiety that I had in my life, like kind of like an existential anxiety, to some extent, a social anxiety, trying to find my way, you know, for many years, I just felt like I had a lot of clarity about my values and uh, uh, different passions. But uh, felt like I was just floating adrift at ocean at, at sea with no clear direction, you know, and from that very first psilocybin experience, a lot, a lot changed. I felt, found a new sense of wellness, a new sense of, of clarity, a new sense of life, meaning and purpose. And uh, beyond that just felt like a, uh, I connected more deeply with a sense of awe and wonder that life is such an incredible uh, mystery and a miracle, you know, uh, in a way that had just been passing me by for many, many years without me even recognizing it. There was a moment in that first, uh, in that, in that experience when I was, you know, I was laying in a field of grass, I was, uh, going to school out in Nashville at the time. And there was a park there that kind of overlooked the city. It was a really beautiful spot. And, uh, I remember looking up and all the seemingly ordinary mundane things, you know, like birds flying overhead, the clouds in the sky, the trees swaying in the wind, the grass, like all of these things, I kind of had just taken for granted all of a sudden were absolutely, I was absolutely transfixed. Like every single blade of grass is such an incredible mystery, an entire, an infinite world in and of itself. The moment that we pay attention, you know? So it's like it opened up all these, these doors of exploration and fascination in my life. That really was the, the beginning of, of uh, spiritual uh, opening in my life where, you know, in the span of a relatively short period of time, I went from being an atheist and a materialist to uh, not that, you know, um, someone who's absolutely convinced that there is just uh, as vast and infinite as this physical universe is. There's so much more to the mystery of existence than what we can perceive with our physical senses. And there's so much more to what we are, so much more to consciousness than uh, a physical body, 
you know? Uh, anyway, yeah. So, I mean, from that first experience, I really just kind of dove, dove in head first. I've really felt a strong sense of passion around exploring. I read everything that I could, all the research that was coming out in books and literature around psychedelics and psychedelic therapy. And all of that really validated my own experience of, of healing and growth uh, within the span of a single day, you know? And uh, that, that, that just, it was validating to the point that I was like, I felt, felt this growing sense of passion. Like I want to get involved. I want, I want to do this, you know? So I ended up um, pursuing a degree in, in social work and in talk therapy. I got a master's degree there and that opened up an opportunity for me to uh, now work full time in the field of psychedelic assisted therapy. Over the past four years, I've been uh, living and working pretty much full time down in, in Jamaica where uh, psilocybin and other plant plant based psychedelics are, are fully legal. So I work at a retreat center there. It's called Myco Meditations. And, you know, we've got an amazing team of licensed therapists and, you know, registered nurse on every retreat and just like a incredibly experienced and gifted team uh, to create a, a safe and support supportive environment around uh, supporting these exploration of non-ordinary states of consciousness. And of course, uh, the healing that comes out of that, but uh, it goes, it goes well beyond that, you know, it's all domains of, of life from the, the creative to the life meaning and purpose, you know, occupational uh, relationships and, and certainly like uh, spiritual as well, uh, the energetic, the mystical, the transpersonal. Um, and, and that's really like the, uh, uh, the bulk of my, my passion and my life work has, has really intersected there, you know? So um, yeah. It's beautiful, you know, and I I find a common thread that runs through the stories of so many interesting people, and it is this sort of realization, and I think I caught a glimpse of it when you spoke about laying down in the field and seeing the beauty in everything. Sometimes for me when I hear that, it seems to me to be the lifting of fear or at least the confrontation to fear. Like, you know, it seems that we've been conditioned to fear from the very beginning. And I'm wondering if that's something that you have a relationship with. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point because uh, it's a great point. Well, you know, there's kind of like that, 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 that cliche or that quote that uh, the magic happens outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. Leaving the safe cocoon, spreading our wings to explore. It's a leap of faith. It's a, it's a, it's a leap into the unknown. Uh, and, and fear is a very natural uh, and an adaptive human response to that. But yeah, I mean, like I, like I mentioned from a young age, I was, I was kind of taught to be fearful of yeah. uh, mushrooms and all, all substances and told that this is bad and this is going to fry my brain. And, you know, this is just, th there's nothing good, uh, to about, about exploring any of, of these non-ordinary states, you know, which couldn't be further from the truth and also flies in the face of what uh, our ancestors, indigenous people from all around the world, literally every continent of the globe for thousands of years, uh, you know, the consensus, the clear consensus of thousands of years of human experience is that exploring these non-ordinary states is somehow central to what this all is, you know, to self-actualization, to, to mm -hmm. living life with the most wellness and also to realizing our fullest potential, like blossoming to our fullest extent, you know, but you're very right that like uh, inescapable, inevitable in that process is uh, coming face to face with fear and moving towards it, taking 
um, steps in the direction of, of courage. And there is something really archetypal about that. You know, it's like the, the hero or heroine's journey. There's, there's this descent into the underworld and coming face to face with, with uh, terror in order to, and, and moving through that, of course, not running away, not avoiding, not numbing, not distracting, moving towards that um, to unlock uh, more of our potential and more of our gifts. You know? Yeah, that's really well said. One of my favorite quotes is this quote that says, courage is not doing something in the absence of fear. Anybody right. can do that. Courage is right. doing something in spite of the fear. And right. I think, for me in my life, I've found that there's this opportunity that continually presents itself. And I, I, I think it does for other people. And I'm curious to get your opinion on this, but it is that confrontation with fear. It is this mm. becoming aware of that, which you are fearful of. And the more you begin to hold it, confront it, stare at it, the more you become familiar with that environment. And while it may not get easier because the fears get bigger and bigger, you do begin to establish a pattern of how to deal with it. And establishing that pattern with fear, I think it, it broadens your horizon to what is possible. Is that something mm -hmm. that like, does that sound plausible? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really, really well said. <laughs> so do you, like, maybe you can give us an example of, what was it that you were able to confront to take you to the next step in your career? Like, so you go to school, you understand talk therapy. Clearly you have this, this passion to help people, but it must've been at times, maybe it felt, I don't know, unreasonable, or maybe it felt, it felt difficult, but what was it that allowed you to take that next step into the unknown and go to Jamaica to start working with Michael, to start working mm. with entheogens? Like what, what was it that got you through that roadblock? Or maybe you can explain that step in the process. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I appreciate that question. Cause um, I don't know. It, it, it's a helpful reflection just for my own, my own process, my own journey, you know, in some, in some ways. Um, Yeah, well, uh, I mean, definitely it's it's a pretty unconventional path, you know, like going to school with other social workers. Not many people were going into the uh, right. joining me down in Jamaica and, uh, you know, going into the field of psychedelic assisted therapy. In fact, the only time I heard the, the word psychedelic assisted therapy in, in my years of, of education were pretty much when it was coming out of my mouth, you know. Um, but th there is there is this quality of of. Um, When there's a deep enough uh, conviction, when there's a clarity of, of passion, uh, when I felt like I had perspective on, on my values, you know, and my values weren't um, more so than following the, the uh, safe and secure path, my values were to, to, to follow my heart, you know to do something that feels genuinely inherently like rich and rewarding and meaningful and exciting and, and stimulating and engaging rather than, uh, um, you know, falling, falling money or any sort of like any, anything else, which, you know, of course I wouldn't have gone into the field of, of social work <laughs> uh, if it, if it was all about, uh, all about money. But, um, 
No, it's it's true. I mean, there there's an element of a of a leap of faith to it that uh, you know I was I was like kind of a, I was a broke gra graduate student at the at the time, and I was kind of like paying my way to be a volunteer at a psychedelic retreat center uh, initially. Like that's how I first kind of got came into the fold there, and um, clarity clarity of 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 intent and uh, and a and a um, willingness to be uncomfortable with with not knowing you know to move in that direction um is is really what sort of like under under underlaid that 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 whole process but i mean in in a lot of ways it felt like following my excitement as as well you know it was uh the 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 possibility uh, however remote of of really getting directly involved in the field of uh that that like uh the job of my dreams, essentially, like this was like, how could I pass the opportunity up, even if even if it does all um, not lead anywhere, you know, so I uh, felt in, in, in a way it felt like um, um, there was an element of fear, but it felt like an obvious choice, like there was no hesitation there, you know. Yeah, I love it. I, I the reason I ask is I I found myself in that position. And I think a lot of people that go through their everyday life, I think part of them hears the siren call for living a life that is more fulfilling. And it's scary mm. to hear that call. It's sort of like Odysseus hearing the sirens call him to the rocks. And like, mm. you know, he he bundled himself and he tied himself to the mast so he couldn't move and he couldn't, he couldn't answer that call because he was afraid. He knew the people that have gone before him were going to be crashed on the rocks. And so were their dreams and their Right. family's well-being and and in some ways when i hear your story i hear the idea of like this voice is calling to me let me explore it and when i see what you've accomplished by exploring that inner voice it's very very inspiring and i hope that people see that and hear that and begin listening to the voice that calls to them because i think that there is some real evidence based in self-fulfillment mm. there and I think that people, mm. if they just, if they can find the first idea of courage or fear or standing to it, then they can begin to hear that voice grow louder and louder. And it becomes like a light that lights the pathway forward. And I, I wanted to bring that out to the people's attention. Right. If I can shift gears just for a quick moment here on, sure. on this idea that beginning as an apprentice or beginning as someone who volunteered at a retreat center, it sounds to me a lot like this archaic revival of beginning to learn things at the very bottom level and then working your way to the top. And I'm wondering if you mm -hmm. see a pattern there with the way the world's emerging now, maybe in your life and the way that things are emerging now. It's gotta be that way, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's gotta be that way. Um, well, I mean, specifically in, in, in the domain of like psychedelic assisted therapy, right? Like in, in indigenous cultures and societies, uh, they're the wise elders yeah. to, to guide, you know, and the, the wise elders, uh, the maestros, the maestras, like, they're the wisdom keepers and they're, they're, they, uh, through, which they've earned through experience through decades, a lifetime of experience. Right. And, um, well, I guess really, really in, in any domain or, or, or discipline, uh, that, that has, that has, uh, relevance and truth, but certainly, I mean, in the in the field of psychedelic assisted therapy, um, 
they're just elements to it that you can't read about in a book, you know? Uh, when there's a, a situation un unfolding in, in real time, there's no amount of, of, of book knowledge that can uh, tell you how to navigate internally and externally, right? Or, or maybe, maybe a book can tell you on, on one level, but like the, the practice of that, uh, the exper experiential practice of that, like just, just as, as an example that comes to mind, like if someone is, is in a psychedelic experience and having like a big emotional cathartic release, sometimes there can be like a big, powerful energy that's coming through. And sometimes it's a absolutely beautiful thing. And sometimes it can seem, um, well, for lack of a better word, especially to someone who's not really familiar with uh, non-ordinary states of consciousness, it can seem disturbing or kind of uh, bizarre. Like what is going on here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the capacity to regulate, to self-regulate and to maintain an unconditionally warm and supportive presence um, and, and to, to trust, to have faith in this, in this process, like these are like fundamental components to the work that can really only be honed and refined and cultivated through direct experience. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, that experiential piece is so key and, uh, learning from the elders or learning from, from the ones, the, the, the people who have, uh, already walked the path, you know, um, is, 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 is just, is just essential. And, um, I think, you know, in, in some ways that's, that's needed as well as in a, in a collective sense for, for, for humankind, uh, both in, in, in the whole psychedelic movement, but also in, I mean, the, uh, collective evolution of, of human consciousness, you know, where we're kind of like, my sense is that humankind is slowly, but steadily, maybe rapidly kind of waking up, you know, from a, from a, from a slumber of ignorance and um, who's going to, well, again, it's like the people who will naturally emerge as leaders are the ones who have cultivated that, that experience, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Does, does, did, did I kind of answer your question there? Absolutely. It was a beautiful answer. And I, I think that, you know, anybody, and it kind of brushes on the idea of having the experience, a transformative experience outside a ritualistic setting. You know, when we talked about leaders, we talked about lived experience and those people helping us is starting at the bottom and how you build that lived experience. Because the truth is anybody, maybe not anybody, a large number of people, regardless of their experience, could be in the presence of someone who has a beautiful psychedelic experience and be moved. But try being a facilitator when someone has an experience that thinks you're the devil and wants to kill you, or wants to fight you, or wants to punch you in the face. That's a whole different world. Like, how are you going to deal with that? Are you someone that can set aside the emotion? Are you someone that can set aside the ability to be like, okay, this person is having a bit of a break right here in a way that can be incredibly transforming, but they're going to need a lot of help integrating this. You know, and I think that that's kind of where we're beginning to see some of the cracks in the foundation when it comes to the model of psychedelic retreat centers and treatment is, you know, we are building this framework up and there is this sort of awesome conversation that's beginning to happen about how do we move forward from here? And what I see emerging with, with places like what you have with, with, with 
micro meditations or when I listen to the words of Dr. Jessica Rochester, or if you look at some of the people coming from maps or, you know, Nick Murray, there's so many beautiful people out there that are really trying to build up this sort of rites of passage or what I like to call like the mm. new Eleusinian mysteries around yeah. it that can help yeah. people. Right. Like, like, and I think that you're part of that, Jonas. I, I think that you're a huge part of it, not only in with Michael meditations, but with your YouTube channel, your ability to explain what's happening the way you see it. But more than that, I see this beautiful story emerging with your whole life. And I, I love the fact that you're sharing it. Like, mm. Hey, here's how I got started. Here's the step that kind of got me through the edge. Here's where I began my message. Like, I, I think it's beautiful to get to see it unfold in real time. What do you think about building this new Eleusinian mystery, mysteries framework? Well, I really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah. And, and I love how you phrase that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's essential. We need it. We need it. We need it. Um, you know, you mentioned the word, you, you mentioned the phrase like rite of passage as well, right? Like, yeah. um, that, that's something that comes to mind in, in, in your, in your previous question that like, uh, we're missing that from, mm. um, in, in, in so many ways, like, uh, uh, the process of, of initiation, yes. you know, to, uh, to, uh, uh, to to a greater level level of 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 wisdom and and connection and um awareness uh again like every indigenous society in one way or another has this embedded into the very fabric of their sociocultural religious spiritual lives you know for a reason and um the lack of that is very apparent in the leadership of our world. We have a bunch of little children uh, leading our, our, uh, you know, our um, governmental, socioeconomic, uh, corporate institutions. Uh, people who lack, uh, on some level, and and I'm not, you know, obviously that's a vast overgeneralization. This isn't true for for everyone, but in a, in a broad sense, I mean, if we just look at the trajectory of the human collective over the past couple of decades and what we, you know, the values and the, um, that, that have been espoused and, and, and taught to us in so many ways, it's reflective of a lack of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's reflective of a lack of, of wisdom. It's a reflective of a lack of, um, awareness. It's a reflective of, uh, a disconnect from spirit, a disconnect from oneness, a disconnect from the sacredness of life, a disconnect from uh, divinity. And, and these are all, all at, at the very core of like these uh, rites of rites of passage, uh, the Aleutian, Aleutian mysteries, right? Uh, uh, these, these mystery schools, these initiatory uh, um, practices that help us to uh, well, Again, it like it all kind of connects with uh, what, what you were saying earlier as well is facing fear and moving through mm -hmm. it. Uh, this is this is what what uh, uh, cultivates uh, growth and wisdom, right? So, and again, of course, that, that doesn't just have to be with with psychedelics. I would say psychedelics are one of the most ancient and powerful and universal tools, uh, but there are many different different uh, approaches and orientations to, to that. Right. But again, um, 
yeah, we, we, we need this. We need this. Uh, we're, I, I, I heard, I heard someone say recently, uh, it was a while ago, actually, I can't, can't even remember who, who said this quote, but humankind as a collective is now in a race between consciousness and catastrophe mm. race between consciousness and catastrophe. Either we evolve on that deeper consciousness level or inevitably we will self-destruct if we just keep going the way that we're going right now, we will, we will self-destruct the only thing that could possibly save us at this point, you know, clever politics, socioeconomic initiatives and policies are not enough. Uh, the only thing that could possibly save us is an inner transformation in the minds and hearts of, of people in, in mass. Right. And again, um, you know, psychedelics by no means are the, the only tool, but they're one of the most ancient and, and powerful and effective and efficient. And that really is the bigger picture mission behind that. That's kind of dr drives my engagement, my investment in this work is like, how do we create transformation? How do we create healing? How do we move towards self-actualization? What are the tools and practices and modalities that evoke or elicit that, that cultivate that, that nourish that uh, fully focus there? Because this is what's needed right now. Yeah, that's really well put. So what are like what are those tools? Like how are you using those things to help people become self-actualized? Or, or do you, I know that no one really has the full answer, but it sounds to me like you've done quite a bit of thinking about these things. And maybe you could share with us how we do that. Sure. Well, specifically like in respect to psychedelics. Yeah, let's start with psychedelics and you could broaden it out in a fractal pattern to the rest of society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um You know, I think it really, it really all begins with meeting a person where he or she is at, you know, and uh, starting there, uh, where are we at right here and now, you know, what are we open to? What are we exploring? What are we, what are the challenges that we're navigating in our lives? Uh, there's, you know, this idea that uh, for many people, suffering is their only spiritual teacher mm. without even knowing it. Because uh, when we when we experience hardship in life, um, and again, you know, I don't, I, it's, it's it's hard not to overgeneralize in in these cases. Everyone is different and unique, but uh, in in broad strokes, you know, when when, when we experience hardship, uh, when we experience enough hardship, eventually there comes a question of like, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way, and you hear this in the story of many of the world's spiritual teachers and visionaries, Buddhism as a, uh, you know, religion wasn't born out of a quest to find God or even to find enlightenment. It, it started, uh, as a, with the, with the simple question of how do we live without suffering? You know? Um, so suffering is pointing to the ways that life feels limited, confining, oppressive, pushing us down. Self-actualization uh, re moving in the direction of, of growth and sort of realizing our full, full potential is moving in the opposite direction, right? So like, what are the points of pain and suffering and hardship? Uh, let's, let's tend to those, right? Psychedelics, uh, psilocybin in particular works on so many levels to do that because really it's like a, just in the same way that we use a, uh, telescope to peer more deeply into the cosmos microscope to peer more deeply into the fabric of, of reality. Um, psilocybin and other psychedelics represent 
metaphorically like a lens for peering inwardly into the nature of, of mind, the psyche, consciousness, perhaps even, even on deeper levels, the soul. Um, sorry, I just experienced a little chop there. George, are you with me? Yeah, I'm still with you. I'm here. It Can kind of froze me? up for a second, but your voice is your voice is flowing like a river downstream. <laughs> but the picture stopped for a moment. You're, you're very poetic. You're very poetic, George. <laughs> I I love it. I think yeah. that that's how we communicate more effectively, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, like in in using these tools for increasing our self awareness, specifically of the unconscious or subconscious mind, it's no secret that almost all of the the symptoms of uh, mental illness, depression, anxiety, trauma are re linked to unresolved or uh, repressed, suppressed emotions in the unconscious mind, right? So psychedelics help these uh, emotions, these sometimes stuck or block, uh, blocked energies to move uh, out of the unconscious into the light of our awareness so that they can be processed, metabolized, and released, right? And the very natural outcome of that is healing and growth, right? So in this process of transformation, we're tending towards the places of pain in our lives while also like cultivating this garden of goodness, right? So it's like, we're like pulling pulling out the weeds while also like, you know, cultivating the the, the soil, the nutrients, the, the sunlight, the water, tending to that garden, right? Which is every domain of our lives. So it's it's relationships, it's uh, passion, life meaning and purpose, uh, the creative uh, project, our, our creative projects, our, our spiritual lives, physically, all these all these different things, right? It works on it works on all these all these different levels, and uh, this is the movement towards towards this kind of transformation is on on all of these levels. Like where are the limitations? Where are the points of pain? And where are the, those, those points of goodness, right, that we can really cultivate in moving towards, uh, towards a sense of wholeness, a sense of wholeness. And at the end of the day, of course, it's clear that in whatever, you know, in whatever way we're, whatever tool or modality we're using, at the end of the day, it's an inside job, right? <laughs> like, yeah. and, and this is like, a, a, in literally every single wisdom tradition, spiritual, uh, ph philosophy, um, is, is this, is this core teaching that, uh, we can search in the external world as long as we want, as many lifetimes as we want for the perfect set of circumstances and conditions, the right relationship and job and this and that and the other, nothing, nothing will ever be enough until we are connected, uh, to true self. And uh, to the infinite, this is this is that 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 deeper level of 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 wisdom where we recognize that we need to tend to all the all the factors on the sort of surface level, but ultimately, what we're talking about here is an inside job, and hypothetically, someone could be you know um, living in abject poverty and still be uh, self actualized. You know, it's possible. And, and, and of course, on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, how many people do we see in, in popular culture, uh, rich and famous, right. but are absolutely miserable? 
Um, so again, it's it's this reorienting inwardly uh, um, to that deeper level of uh, connecting, reconnecting with uh, oneness, with with spirit, with divinity in 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 some level, or or the universe, or whatever whatever word one one wants to use. And it's like the wave remembering that it's part of the ocean. <laughs> When the wave remembers that ultimately it's ocean and only ocean and could only ever be ocean and nothing that it ever did could make it any less ocean, uh, then then the wave the wave can start to really feel free, you know, and to to feel faith and trust that no matter how that wave breaks, like it's all gravy. We're all good. <laughs> it's all ocean, you know. Janice, you you've done one of the one of my favorite videos that you've done was this one on oneness, and you mm. use the metaphor of the ocean and stuff. And I was wondering mm. if maybe you could give the people a little bit of flavor of that video in in this in this particular exchange right here. Maybe you can explain to them a little bit about why you did that video, and then give them some of the the flavor of that video, if you if you will. Mm. Yeah, sure, I'd be happy to. Well, I mean. Where to begin? Yeah, I mean, you know, in again, like oneness is fundamental. It's a fundamental truth, right? However, we 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 look at it uh, from a, from a scientific perspective, right? If we look at the the, the history of the universe, the Big Bang theory uh, tells us that all of the infinite cosmos, all of the infinite uh, diversity and multiplicity of trillions of stars, galaxies, planets, beings, creatures, began as one began as one, began as one unified, undifferentiated source energy that supposedly was a billion times smaller than a single atom, right? <laughs> and whatever you are made of and whatever I am made of and whatever microphone and laptop and whatever is made of, it was all there. It all began as one, one. And quantum physics tells us the same thing, right? That if we uh, look on a deeper and deeper, more and more fundamental level, atomic, subatomic, into the, the fundamental particles that, that uh, make up the fabric of space-time. If we look on a deeper and deeper and deeper level, eventually the idea that bigger objects are made of smaller objects breaks down into this unified field of energy and potential. A lot of people call this the quantum field or the unified field. That is one, right? And we are all waves in that quantum field. What's interesting, what's amazing is that these are relatively recent discoveries, right? Big Bang Theory came around like in the 60s or whatever, Edwin Hubble, you know, and quantum theory is, well, it goes back a little further than that, but it's also relatively recent. What's interesting is that mystics, shamans, sages, spiritual visionaries all around the world, regardless of their uh, social, cultural, religious background, universally have been teaching us about oneness for thousands of years. It's like our most advanced science has just started to catch up to what all these sages have been telling us for thousands of years. And again, we can see this truth codified in all of the world's major religions. Like Buddhism, it's taught that uh, the Buddha nature is within, within all of us, right? All of us have the same Buddha nature. Um, in, in Hinduism, it's taught that like Atman, the soul is the same as Brahman, God, 
right? In, in Christianity, the kingdom of heaven is within, you know, all in, in, in literally all, all of the world's religions, right? And so uh, this is this is fundamental truth. And and the way that, yeah, the, the metaphor, the, the analogy that really makes sense in my mind is, is like waves in, in, on the surface of the ocean because, you know, on a human level, it seems like separateness is very uh, real and, and obvious in a certain sense. It's it's not always easy to just feel that oneness. Like you're over there, I'm over here, right? Like yeah. separate. Um, but on a deeper, more fundamental level, right? That's that's the level in which which oneness can be uh, kind of grokked, like felt, you know? Yeah. Because like if you look at the ocean on the surface level, it's like yeah. There's a wave over there. There's a wave over there. And it's true. Like there are two separate and distinct waves, you know. Uh, but if we look beneath the surface, if we go a little deeper, uh, beyond what just is Im our immediate apprehension, uh, look a little deeper. When we go beneath the surface, there's one ocean there, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. I, I mean, I love talking about it because it's so it's – so, a fundamental and 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 it's in a sense um well whether or not someone is spiritual whether someone is like an atheist and and uh you know um not at all uh interested in you know these these ideas of soul or spirit or afterlife or anything like that uh, still we have to there no, no matter how how you slice it like we can all agree that all is all is one Right. And, and if we really internalize that, then suddenly all of these uh, spiritual teachings that the ego is illusory, that uh, there's something deeper to what we are than the human identity, all of these things suddenly became, become like uh, scientific, empirically true. Like, yes, this is fact, you know? Yeah, I see it too. And I, I, it's interesting because I can understand why some people in authority or even some structures that govern us see the dissolution of boundaries as a real problem. You mm. know, when we, when we look at the way education is, you know, we think of schools or books and there's lots of information you can gain by listening to someone else's lived experience. But it seems that the true teachers are like a waterfall or a battered coastline, or a rainstorm, you know, and, and it gets us back to this idea that you were talking about oneness and the different sorts of teachings that have the same fundamental underpinnings, that the true lessons that we should be learning are not something that you read from a book. There's something that's revealed to you. You know, in, mm. in, a, in a heightened state of awareness, we often see these revelations. When it, and you can look back to the sacred texts of mystics, be it the be it a Bible or the Bhagavad Gita or any mm. of these. You could you could read Moby Dick and get the same sort of profound insights that are happening. Yeah. Herman Melville might be a prophet in my book, but that's just <laughs> no, it's true, man. <laughs> it's know? true. But there's so much beauty that can begin to be revealed to you when you're open to it. And I think that that's a unifying sort of underpinning. Would you agree with that? Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the process by which like a, um, the 
cognitive component of that is translated into the heart component yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, because there's a difference between like thinking it and feeling it. Yeah. Um, all the, the idea of oneness. Yeah. It's a nice idea. Beautiful, shiny concept. What does it mean to feel, to feel that, to know it, not here, but like in your whole being, that's when it, that's the level of transformation too, you know, and uh, it's experiential. So, mm. Yeah, that brings me to the, to the idea of language. You know, um, there's a really, sometimes I tend to ramble, so I'm trying to stay focused on this right here. But I, I think that when it comes to language and the idea of conceptualizing something or internalizing it versus feeling it, I think that that is sort of, that is what's happening on a heightened state of awareness when words begin to fail. And I, I see this new sort of language emerging, and I'm curious to, 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 get what you, to hear what you have to think about this. <clears throat> it seems that, you know, some of these abstract geometrical images that people see on high doses of medicine or in an mm. alternate state of consciousness, they seem to be a coding pattern, a sort of symbol of itself. And I, I know that that's, I just want to pause there for a minute. I was going to say this again so people could just take a moment. A rare symbol is a symbol of itself. So I was going to pause for a minute. Okay. And it seems to me like the geometric images we see in heightened states of awareness are in fact this kind of symbol, a symbol of itself. And when you can begin to think about that, I think it begins to transform language when we begin to think of language that way. And I'm wondering what is, I know that that's just kind of just a, a nice little thing I floated out there, but I'm wondering if you can drill down a little bit to help me make this idea a little bit more consumable to people. Like how do you see language transforming when we begin to understand oneness, how do you see language begin to transform now that we've had some of these higher states of awareness? How do you think language is transforming and how might that transform us as a society? Mm, 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 mm. <sighs> well, uh, it's hard to put into words. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in some ways, uh, in some ways, language becomes more and more challenging to attribute and in some ways it yeah. becomes easier easier and easier um and i and i see i see it uh in this in this sense uh as one internalizes on a on that deep experiential felt heart level the truth of oneness then more and more uh language is not is, is not is, is a little clumsy here but one gets out of one's way yeah and uh, that whole idea of being a channel, a conduit, a vessel, mm. well put. where uh, the language, the quality of it becomes inspired uh, and, and from beyond somehow. Um, it both in the um, there's there's a, a, a new there's a new music to the language. Mm. But the 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 deeper the deeper quality to it is is the energy that's behind it. 
I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, Beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's, it's no longer, it's no longer just, um, being cobbled together by the vast, but limited, uh, intellect of the human brain, you know, it's, it's like flowing from the infinite potentially. And, you know, this is, this is like the deeper level of, of life and art and, and creation. Yeah. Um, so many of the most, like the creative luminaries, you know, in, in, in any, in any field, music, literature, uh, art, whatever, whatever. Um, the moment of creative inspiration, a lot of times, or creative flow, a lot of times is described as like, uh, it came through me, but it's not of me or, you know, like how, how like I, I, there's, there's something along those lines, you know, it's like, um, there is really can, can be that distinct sense of like, um, life is flowing through us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, again, like the, the, um, the quality of, of language, uh, can, can, can transform in, in that sense where it's not even necessarily that the words themselves are changing a whole lot, but the energy behind them, like what the, what the words can evoke mm. or elicit, um, the, 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 the weight that they carry is, is greater. It's amplified. Yeah, that's really well said. And I know that it's tough to try and describe meaning because it's so broad, but I love the way you did it. And I, I wanted to challenge you on it because I think every discussion that people have about this, it sends out like a little ripple, you know what I mean? And, and while I may have heard it described a certain way, or I may have received a message from you in describing that, I think it may inspire other people to think different. And they, they would be like, oh, you know what they could have said is this, this, and this. And I think that that particular, you know, like the pebble in the pond that radiates the ripples, I think that this attempt to recreate a better form of the logos is is sort of, uh, it's it's contagious. It's contagious, Jonas. <laughs> and it helps oh, yeah. people to better understand themselves and their ideas and then transmit that idea in a better in in a in a, in a in a way that is changing, and an example I give about this is, you know, I, I was doing a. I'll link to this video. There's a really good video that uh, I think it's called "What Is Reality," and in this video, the people were talking about a new theory of everything, and they had come up with seven different seven different clues given to us by nature that define this new theory, and one is information. One is causality loops, non-determinism, consciousness, pixelization, E8 crystals, and the golden ratio. I know it's kind of a lot. I just want to talk about, I'll just encompass it in the world of information. If we think of the world around us as a world of information, a world of language in some ways, it begins to become more accessible for the individual to manipulate the landscape and the world around them. And we can see it transforming. If, if we know that the, the, the foundation of our theories are changing, it instantly changes the world around us. And I think that that translates into you as an individual 
changing your vision of yourself and then reality changes around you. For way too long, I think people have found themselves in positions where they're like, they try to change the system. They try to go mm. into their work and they're like, I can't get this guy to, to figure out that what he's doing is wrong. But that's the backwards way to go around it. You know, when you try to change everything around you, it's like you're just Sisyphus trying to push this boulder up, you know, and every day it rolls down on you. But if you begin to change yourself, all of a sudden the world opens up to you. And I think that's, that, that is kind of a roundabout way of me beginning to ask you about, as a, someone who is a psychedelic facilitator, what is it like, like you've spoken a little bit about your journey and what it's like that you have got to see on your heightened state of awareness, but what is it like to get to witness other people have transformations? Yeah, it's, um, it's incredible. It's, 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 uh, to some extent, yeah, it's, it's challenging to like just encapsulate in, 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 in words and language because, you know, pretty much every single, uh, day on the job, so to speak, every, 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 every <laughs> retreat that I, that I work, you know, I yeah. hear s some iteration of the, a similar story, which is something along the lines of, you know, uh, I've been in therapy for 20 years. I've tried every single SSRI antidepressant. I've tried every single benzodiazepine. Uh, nothing has worked. You know, it's just like the sense that modern psychiatry or modern medicine like has failed me in working through my PTSD or my depression or my anxiety or whatever the case may be. And uh, oftentimes it's a place of desperation that brings someone to, to this experience to take that leap of faith. There's a sense of what other choice do I have, you know, and to see someone like that over the span of a single week or, or even a single day. Uh, have a deeply transformative experience. Say like, I feel at peace genuinely for the first time in my whole life. Like there's a quality to it. That's just like, so uh, man, it's just right here. Just big energy right here. You know, uh, uh, really uplifting, inspiring, motivating, uh, rewarding, fulfilling, uh, invigorating, you know, um, it's um yeah that's that that's the that's the biggest current there uh you know there's it's 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 oftentimes a very challenging uh process as well and there's um you know when people enter into these non-ordinary states of consciousness uh it's often walking side by side with someone into the fire you know uh the full emotional spectrum and by by the fire i mean the fire of transformation right like because uh, this is what healing and growth demands of us. Uh, again, this is the hero or heroine's journey of like, um, I think uh, Carl Jung has has a quote that's something like, um, before the tree uh, can reach up to the heavens, its roots much must reach down into into hell, right? Um, it's there's like there's almost like this alchemical quality to this work where it's like all of the and again this is why I said earlier in the conversation that for for many people like suffering is our our only spiritual teacher it's a for the invisible hand of life saying come on now little little one like let's grow let's evolve um, I don't know I mean that's just my that's my that's my belief 
uh, my perspective. But there really is this like alchemical quality to uh, psychedelic, I mean, any therapeutic modality, but it's really like concentrated in, in the psychedelic experience because all these processes of healing and growth and transformation are happening at light speed, a process that could be, that could take of, you know, uh, unpacking and resolving, uh, a, a traumatic experience, right. And like the anxiety that might be associated with that, it might take five, 10, 15 years in, in, uh, talk therapy. It can happen in a single day, in a single day, uh, with, you know, in a safe and supportive, uh, context, uh, using, using psychedelic substance. I'm not, certainly it's not always like that, but it, it really can be. And, and, and again, there's this quality of like, by allowing, uh, the fullness of our, uh, emotional life, our emotional, uh, body into the light of our awareness. Um, there's a, uh, a, a moving of, of energy that, uh, very naturally corresponds with uh, unburdening, uh, with um, a sense of greater inner lightness, emotional freedom, less anxiety, more joy, more wellness, more inspiration, greater sense of connection, uh, all these, all these things, you know? So again, it's like very broad strokes here. Uh, it's, it's just like the psychedelic experience is almost like a microcosmic, like, uh, all of the human experience, you know, is like super concentrated, focused in the, in the psychedelic experience. And then oftentimes opens up into this, this doorway, this gateway into the beyond the transpersonal, you know? Um, yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, to use that, that, that wave, uh, in the ocean analogy, it's like, as we're, our self-awareness is expanding. It's like the wave it's, it's, moving into deeper and deeper elements of its waveness and what that entails. Uh, but that ultimately, that ultimately culminates in this transpersonal or like trans wave. Like now there's no, there's no more like wave is now fully aware that it's, it's just ocean. You know, there's no wave here. Actually, it's just ocean. Um, and, and that very much, um, can occur in the psychedelic experience and these, these mystical states of, of consciousness that, you know, in rigorous uh, research at Johns Hopkins and other institutions, they found that, you know, something like 70% of people uh, rate their psychedelic experience as among the top five most uh, meaningful experiences of their entire lives when compared to the birth of a child getting married, things like, things like this. I mean, to really like, let that sink in that, uh, eating a few grams of a dried fungus, uh, can render or elicit or evoke these peak mountaintop experiences that ch change our life for forever. I mean, this is, this is magic. Like this is nothing short of miraculous, you know? Um, so to, be a little part in that, in that equation. And, um, you know, like I, I, I didn't really talk much there about like the role of, of facilitator, which I'm happy to do. So if you, if you're curious, but, um, to be just like a little part in that, in that equation, is just endlessly, uh, uh, inspiring and, and, and fascinating. It's a constant, it really has this quality of like, the more I know, the less I know, you know, 
it's just it's just so so cool yeah it's that's really well said i'm glad that i asked you that question because i think you answered it beautifully and it gives people an idea but for me i think it and, and stay with me here but i think that there's sort of a darkness about it in a way i'm not saying that it is dark for you or anything like that but it can be because it's so intoxicating to get to be in the presence of the felt presence of the other because it's so intoxicating to mm. be part of the terror before the sacred like that can become very intoxicating and i know that if you if some people lose their way as a healer or some people lose their way because they 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 feel that they become the transformation you know what i mean by that like yeah. if you look at some people that catch like they call it like the holy man syndrome you know mm -hmm. like oh well these people are coming to me because i can change them when in fact they're just part of the catalyst to do that like what is a have you ever felt like that darkness there that's like wow i'm the person doing this and how do you protect yourself from that feeling mm. it's a really good question um You know, I think that in order to really, uh, really serve and function in that role of, of uh, any kind of transformational guide, right, um, requires really sincerely doing the, the, the self work first and foremost, the work on our, on ourselves, right? And um, because like, any of this, uh, um, um, I, yeah, it's ultimately it's coming from a place of, of, of wounding or, 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 or ignorance or, or, or lack of self-awareness and lack, lack of, lack of, lack of humility and, uh, an ego ultimately. Right. And, um, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's some, there's so many, there's so many layers to that, to that question and to, to really, really like continually, uh, having a high enough degree of, of self-awareness of, of wisdom, of integrity, of like a, uh, um, like a, a really like a, um, kind of like a ruthless, like honesty of, ruthless honesty of, of like what's, what's going on in, in our internal landscape, as well as, um, you know, to some extent, like, uh, co collaborators, like, like checks and balances in place where it could, because other times, like in many cases, people can reflect things to us that are invisible to ourselves. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And, um, but it's, it's, it's really like, it's keeping things in perspective, right. Uh, where, where, um, <laughs> I, I, in a, in a lot of cases, I see the role of, of a psychedelic facilitator as like a midwife or, or a doula. There's a process unfolding that is way beyond me. I'm not initiating it. I'm not controlling it in any way, nor do I understand claim to understand the, uh, the way in which that process is uh, connected fundamentally to the mystery of all that is, it's all a mystery. 
it's all a mystery. Anyone who claims that they know that they really got this, like on that deeper level, stay away from them. Because I think tr truly like uh, to truly know means to acknowledge that we don't know, you know, uh, that we can't know. And uh, again, like from this perspective of like, like a, like almost like a psychedelic midwife. Um, my role is to support a process that's already unfolding, you know, and the, the power is in the process. The power is not in me. My, my job is to support the, the process that's, that's, that's underway, you know, and, and really like one of the core tenets of uh, good psychedelic facilitation work with very, very few exceptions, very few exceptions is that there is nothing that I could possibly do or say that has more healing transformative power than the experience itself. So in a lot of ways, it's my, my job is like uh, less is more in a lot of cases, yeah. take a, take a step back, you know, and really, really deeply respect the, the process of this individual is going, going through, through their own inner healing intelligence. Uh, it's such a such a beautiful idea that there's something in us within each one of us that knows what we need. Like, you know, the example I like to use is when I break a bone, for example, I go to the doctor, the doctor puts a cast on the arm, but the doctor is not the one who's actually doing the fixing and the mending. There's something in us on a cellular level that knows how to create the mend. It's miraculous. Like it's incredible beyond words, beyond comprehension, right? That's the inner healing intelligence. The idea is that the, the same thing, that same quality applies to our uh, psychological well-being, to our psyche, right? Me as facilitator, I'm like the cast on the arm. <laughs> and, to, and to claim that I'm, that I'm the one who knows and understands the miraculous infinite forces that are creating the mend on that deeper cellular level is is abject ignorance like <laughs> it, it, you're fundamentally just misunderstanding all of this like find a new job <laughs> like <laughs> you know um so th that's re that's really how, how i see it and, and and i mean one last thing i'll say about that is really acknowledging that people who are in non-ordinary states of consciousness uh oftentimes are at their most uh open, they're most suggestible, they're most emotionally raw and vulnerable state where e even a word that I say as a psychedelic facilitator, when someone's uh, in a mushroom experience, just one word can take, potentially can take a person's experience in a whole different direction. Right? I mean, hey, like, Anyone who's working in that role, I, I think, really needs to feel the weight of that responsibility, like the ethical imperative that we need to respect this this individual on a, on a, on a, on a deep like soul level, you know. And um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, all, all all of that kind of blends together and, and comes to mind when you ask that question. But it's it's it really needs to be a continuing process, and like all of us. Like, again, a, a, as like a, a moral, ethical, like imperative, uh, need to continue our, our own self self work, because I think there's like a very natural, like expand and contract or ebb yeah. and flow and ups and downs to the process of, of growth and healing and evolution, you know. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, that was really well said, and I'm glad. I'm glad you answered it that way. I, I, I you know, I I struggle with the lessons that I learn sometimes in heightened states of awareness. You know, it's some, mm. sometimes you get to try on these ideas, and because there's this realization that time is a construct. The moment you spend at heightened states of awareness can feel like days or even years sometimes. <laughs> and you can really try on these ideas and become this other person for a minute. And it's important to realize the idea you're trying on is like a t-shirt. Some of them are too big. Some are too small. Some you might not like the color and it's important, sure. but to understand this thing you're trying on, no matter how much you like it, it's just something you're trying on. I, that that has helped me cope with the understandings or the, those things that are revealed to me in those heightened states of awareness. You know, and I I know language fails there, but it's it's such an in, intriguing question because there is, you know, I, I once heard where there's fear, there's power, and it, mm. it is fearful in those heightened states of awareness, and there is power in those heightened states of awareness. So I'm always curious how people deal with that relationship and i've you know i've i've never been in a position to be a facilitator or to see firsthand someone truly having an experience that is at a particular place for that experience and i, I can only imagine the, the responsibility the fulfillment and the pressure to thoroughly create a great space for those people. So I, I I'm always fascinated. And thanks for answering it. So honest. And anybody that heard that response, that's exactly why you should go to Myco meditation is because of that <laughs> response that Jonah's just gave right there. I mean, that's, that's about as good as any sort of promotional video that would ever come out. I think it was beautiful, man. So thank, oh, thank you for you. that. No, thank you. Yeah. How, how is it, you know, for some people who have only had a, a psychedelic experience with a close group of friends, maybe mm. recreational, and some people may mm -hmm. have only had it by themselves and, you know, in maybe have had the five grams of dried mushrooms and silent darkness. Maybe people have had that particular journey, but how do you see the, the, the difference between and maybe you can compare and contrast the experience between an individual having their own personal experience and then ha an individual having an experience with a team around them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Well, um, the difference is, is potentially immense, immense. Uh, but that's not, that's not to say that, you know, in the right set of circumstances and conditions, like a person can't have, uh, a similarly powerful and profound right. transformative experience by themselves, you know, mm -hmm. five grams, silent darkness. Um, I, I certainly have at times, sure. right. I haven't always had, had uh, uh, people around me f f facilitating, although I will say like, just as a general rule of thumb, and there are exceptions, I, I would just about always recommend having someone around like a facilitator around, especially on higher doses um, it doesn't matter how experienced anyone is as a, as a psychonaut, how familiar people are with the terrain. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, 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 you know, like in some cases just absolutely powerless in to, to, yeah. to, to, uh, in, in, in these experiences and, and the line between 
sort of objective or consensus reality versus my own inner experience, my trip can get really blurry, really fast, you know? Um, you know, with all that said, I would say like, uh, if we look at sort of the three phases of the psychedelic experience, like the before, the during, the after, uh, having a team of facilitators like that, that environment of safety and unconditional support uh, makes a tremendous difference in so many ways. I mean, beforehand, if you look at like preparation and in, 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 if you look in um, like having um, really that sense of intentionality behind it, not that there has to be like a specific list of right. intentions, like this and this and this and this and this are the things that I want to experience. Cause usually it's like, okay, maybe you'll have some <laughs> of that, but you'll probably have a lot of other stuff going on. I mean, really the intentionality being intentional about how we're consuming this uh, really helps to enrich the experience. And part of that is like entering into this space where in a sense, we're leaving sort of like the mundane world, mm -hmm. mundane world behind, right? The job, the, you know, daily routine, the emails and all that stuff. It's like leaving all that behind. We're entering into this space where we're connecting with other people with the shared vision, purpose, mission goals uh, to really like kind of focus in, right? Like feeling into that, the, the energy of that collective, like that group. Um, uh, this is what we're here to do. You know, um, there's something like um, empowering, reassuring about that. Uh, there's a sense of like trust and, and safety and um, uh, that having like, uh, facilitators or a team there, even before the experience begins, can really help to uh, uh, evoke, right? Yeah. And that's just so fundamental for allowing ourselves to really take that leap of faith of like, okay, I'm going to let go here. I'm not going to try to steer this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to like grip tight and like, <laughs> like make this like, White knuckle like bend this experience <laughs> to my, which is like, you know, an exercise in futility there. Uh, um, but we need to have the right things in place, right. To be able to like, really let go. And then as like that, the kind of during phase, um, in, in so many ways, uh, in, in so many ways, uh, just, just having a, that, um, warm, supportive, calm, reassuring, presence that rock you know that 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 grounding anchor um to sometimes in these experiences we can get really far out there you know and as we're uh, navigating the depths of the psyche and soul uh sometimes that's a absolutely beautiful ride you know and as we discussed sometimes it's really hard and in those moments where it feels challenging to have someone there even just to, to hold hand to hand to hold Right. Or, or, or not even necessarily that, like a, a, a nonverbal presence, just like nonverbally communicating. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you. And everything's OK. Like all your worries and your concerns about how this might not be OK. You just give that to me and just mm -hmm. just go. Just let this flow. Right. And, you know, so there's so many different like flavors and, and variations of that. There's so many different ways that uh, having a facilitator present during the experience can really enrich um and then of, of course afterwards the the integration phase i mean hey yeah this is what it's all about like this is what we come to the experience for is uh a real life real world 
change and transformation? What does it mean to leverage the new awareness, the new insights, the new experiences, the new um, sense of connection or revelation or whatever? What does it mean to leverage that into everyday life? And that's a challenging thing. And, and mm. um, um, in a lot of ways, I don't think any of us can do it alone. Like, I think we need to feel connected. I think we need to feel supported uh, throughout that process because it's a lot, you know, and, and even just having someone to talk to like about that, like an empathetic ear, not mm -hmm. that uh, that person has to say the right words or that that person has to tell you like, this is the answer. This is what you do. This is how you integrate, right. but just someone to listen to, to discuss um, is, is, is deeply uh, it's uplifting. It's, it's a, a source of energy you know, through, through the process. So it works on many different levels, you know, and, and, and ultimately I think like in a general sense, the, uh, the feeling or sense of disconnect factors in on some level to almost every, uh, flavor of, of mental health issue, mental, mental ailment, feeling mm -hmm. disconnected disconnected from others, disconnected from nature, from the world, from ourselves, from life, meaning and purpose, from, you know, in, in so many ways, connection, uh, is healing is fundamental to healing. So to have a group of people around you where it's like, I'm not alone in this thing, you know, like I'm going through this and yeah, it's hard, but so is that person. And like, we can support each other. We can cheer each other on. Man, it's like really, really, really helpful. Yeah, it, it does sound helpful. And sometimes with shared sacrifice and shared experience can come shared goals. And I, I find that particularly beautiful. Uh, and integration is such a magical thing. I, but I, I have some questions on integration. And I these are just questions sure. that, that I think of as as I begin to talk to more people and you begin to see schools kind of, you know, authenticating people's methodologies and stuff like that. And I'm, it seems to me that in the world of integration, that there's a form of priming that probably happens. And I'm not saying it happens at one particular school, but it does seem that when you talk about connections, integration is a form of reconnections. And so, you know, is there a, I know there's not one school of thought, but you know, and, and I, it seems to me that maybe the best way for integration is a sort of gestalt or a sort of Socratic messaging where you're just reflecting things back to people because it's it's imperative what happens in that reconnecting phase, you know, and and while it can like I can go in and reprogram somebody, I'm I know how to do that, but at what point in time am I taking away from their lived experience by me making the connections for them? And isn't that sort of, you know, doesn't that sort of make integration a slippery slope? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's another great question. You know, um, I, I, I think that um, working as an, you know, to, 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 to some extent it is really like circumstantially, uh, uh, dependent. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but, I, but I think there, there's the same general flavor here where, uh, uh, you know, what I was, what I was re referencing about, um, 
being a psychedelic midwife or a doula. <laughs> yeah, totally. there's a process happening here, and it, it's it's not my job or my role to try to control or direct mm -hmm. that process. Um, in fact, it's unethical to do so. Yes, in mo right, in right. most cases, in most it's disrespectful to the natural process that's that's unfolding here. And I've seen this happen, you know, at times like. Um, you know, I've had people upset with me in the past. Like I've, I've had to learn this. I've had people upset with me. Like don't interpret my experience for mm, me, Yeah. you know? Um, and that's, that's true. That's legitimate. You know, there are some, this is why I said to some extent, circumstantially dependent because sometimes a person will express a desire like for, uh, like yeah. it would be helpful yes. to hear like yes. how you, how, what is your interpretation right. or analysis of this, you know, but sometimes it just feels so deeply personal. Like don't touch that you know mm, yeah um, so it's it's again it's like this this um really dropping in and being present and connected and attenuated to where is this person at and what is serving them rather than what do what is serving me like i want to see right. like i'm smart and intelligent and i'm a good integration coach because i know exactly what this means and that was an ego dissolution and that's what the... stop stop <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. And I mean, Hey, that's, that's uh, to, to some extent, like it's coming from a place of good intention of like, I sure, want to be helpful, of course. you know? Yeah. But I course. think, I think you're, you're right that a, a, a lot of, a lot of integration. Um, my goal as an integration coach, I want to help an individual unpack an experience and process an experience on their, on their own terms in their own way, you know? And uh, meet them, meet them where they're at in, in, in that process. And, um, um, you know, a lot of times it can be, it can be helpful or useful just to check in and say like, is it a, a, like, that's, it's bringing to mind like a certain, a certain thought or like a similar experience that I, that I've had in the past. Like, would it feel helpful if I, if I shared that with you? Yeah. Maybe they'll say yes. Maybe they'll say no, you know? Um, but, but, but you're right. Like it's, it's really important for, I think really like, um, the biggest part of integration in a sense is to just very simply sit with it, you know, mm -hmm. sit with the, sit with the experience and let things, let things marinate, you know, let things really sink in, sink in more and more deeply. And, um, again, like in that process of just like, just being present with like my, uh, internal felt experience. Like I just had this big psychedelic experience. Where's all that sitting? How is that feeling like, right here and now mm -hmm. and just feeling into that there is like a something within us that knows what we need and knows how to move keep the ball moving along right um but uh being being heard being seen being in connection with others and in some cases having frameworks of uh interpretation can really help a person to unpack. Yeah. When I do share feedback like that, I'm, I'm, I'm really, these days I'm really careful because I have learned this lesson, you know, I'm, I'm careful yeah, to course. ask. And I'm also careful to like, say like, if I am sharing like a framework of interpretation, I'll say something along the lines of like, this isn't necessarily true in your case, right? It's just an idea to play with. It's like a, it's a framework it's mm -hmm. an idea to play with. And to whatever extent it resonates and feels true with you, great. To whatever extent it doesn't, throw it in the trash, you know? Yeah. Like I – my own fears that I project on the space it's developing is that – like it seems odd to me 
not because it's not predictable, but it seems odd to me because it seems counterproductive to begin issuing licenses for integration coaches. Like, you know, I, I think that the way in which you begun your career as someone who volunteered in this particular experiment is probably the best way to label yourself an integration coach. You know, I, it seems to me too that, you know, maybe it's circumstantial in that integration may be good for someone right after a trip. Might it be better a month after a trip? Might it be better once the person has fully begun to build a container of their own before they start sharing, which is in that container with you? You know, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting to me. And I, I don't have the answers, man. I, I don't know. But like, these are just things that like, I don't hear people talking about that I, I'm curious yeah. about. What do you think? Well, yeah. And, and what's coming to mind is, as you're, you're, you know, you just said that is like, yeah, I think that's, that, that's, that's spot on. And, and being an integration coach isn't about having the answers. Yeah, at exactly. all. It's, it's, exactly. it's about ask, it's about asking the right questions. I think. Well put. Yeah. So uh, the bulk of integration coaching should be listening, not talking. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that you get certified by, by going to a place and talking about it? You know, I, I don't know, man. Like it, I'm not putting it down in any way, shape or form. We need it. And I think that I, I'm for it all. I'm for everybody learning. I'm for people teaching. I'm for all of it. And I love all of it, but I just ask questions because I think that questions lead us to a position where things can get better. So I, I don't, I hope anybody listening to this doesn't think I'm, I'm putting anything down. Cause I'm not, I'm just, I'm just asking some questions. So yeah. 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 It's interesting to me. Jonas, we're coming up on this hour and a half mark, man. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation. And I feel like we've just begun to scratch the surface. And yeah, I, yeah, I, it's really fun. And I, I hope maybe we can come back and reconnect or maybe do it more often because this is I really admire the candor and the the ability and the honesty and the vulnerability with which you answered these questions. And I I love that there was this. <laughs> you know, George, like that's such a sign of a good answer. It's like, this person's going to think about it for a minute. You know, it's like, I love it. So thank you very much for that. That's really fun for me. And I, I hope everybody listening to this really got to thoroughly enjoy it as much as I did. And I hope you did. And, and um, before I let you go, though, maybe you can speak to where people can find you. What do you have coming up and what you're excited about? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, thanks. Thanks for asking. I just, I just want to say, um, you know, right, right back at you. It was fun is fun is the, the, the right word that comes to mind as well. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed, really enjoyed connecting with you and, um, man, your, your energy is contagious and just so, <laughs> so, so warm and good. Like really, really, I really mean that. I really mean that. And, um, yeah, just much respect to you. I, I, uh, I really, I really appreciate what, you, what you're doing and the way you're doing it, you know, yeah. truly. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's called cosmic consciousness with Jonas for anyone who wants to, to check me out there. I also do have, um, a, um, psychedelic integration and, and support, uh, uh, company. It's called Intervision psychedelics, um, at, at, at that link intervisionpsychedelics.com. You can also reach out and schedule a schedule of a uh, free session with me that way as well. So, um, would love to love to, uh, connect with anyone interested and yeah it's it's always such a joy and, and a pleasure to um, have these conversations and these discussions you know yeah and you've been you've been at it for a quite a long time already you know i 
there's a lot of awesome people that are finding their way into the space. And I, but I just want to point out to everybody listening that Jonas has, has spent a lot of time finding a model that suits him and that, that gels with him and the people around him. And I, I would highly encourage people to go and check out his YouTube channel, check out the links below because I, more than anything, he's giving away a lot of free information that can help you make good decisions in your life, whether you choose to to go the route of speaking with him or just maybe consuming some of the content that he put out there. I do it. I really enjoy it. And I've learned a lot from it. So I'm thankful for that. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us. Hang on one second, Joseph. I want to talk to you for a moment after this. But sure, sure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I hope you have a beautiful day, afternoon, and evening. And I hope you take some time to reimagine yourself as the best possible version of yourself and your relationships. I love you guys. Aloha. All right. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.